0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy.
1: That's what the poster said?
0: See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13.
1: I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal.
0: Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this evening via Zencaster is my friend Michael Eiboff. And Mike, uh, the Islanders won a game and lost a game and uh, now are going to be playing for their season on Tuesday in Game 5. Uh, we have a lot to cover since we uh, last spoke. And uh, yeah, it's it's been a very odd series so far. You know, it's kind of weird the way things have played out. Uh, considering what happened in game three when the last time we spoke.
1: I, do you think we've seen either team play their best game yet? Like it feels like if, if this series went, you know, another 15 games, maybe we'd see one, but it's just, it's that lightning look better for sure. Like, and they have better players, uh, which we've known from the beginning, but it, it just looks like we haven't seen either team put together like a full 60 minute effort. And even in that game one, like, Braden Point was the first one to admit after the game that the Lightning kind of just had some good bounces go their way. And that you could say that, you know, an A-2 win, maybe that's their best game. But uh, it, it it was really a, a kind of a funky game more than anything else. And I just don't know. Like, I don't know because I, I haven't seen... You know, there's there's been times where the Islanders have been dominated, but there's been, you know, times in those same games where the Islanders kind of tilt the ice back and then they make a mistake and it ends up in the back of their net. That's that's kind of how he got to this point. But I honestly don't think either one either team has played their their A game yet. Uh maybe I'm crazy.
0: No, it's definitely been weird because I, I thought the Islanders played their best games in Games two and four, the one that just finished a few hours before we were recording this right now, and uh, and they lost them both, <laughs> and I think that they did a lot of good things in those games, uh, you know, we talked about game two, in which they were all set to go to overtime and, and had played Tampa pretty well, in fact, probably outplayed them for the most part for most of the game, and then with eight seconds left... They lost, uh, and that was it. And then in today's game four, we're going to talk about game three in a second. But in today's game four, I, the first period was very even. I, I thought, you know, the Islanders d- didn't take a lot of shots, but they didn't give up a ton either. And I thought that they were trying, you know, to to keep Tampa from from running away with it too early. And they did that. And then the second period, I thought they had the better play by far. But in a span of twelve seconds, the Lightning scored two goals, and that was pretty much it. And the Islanders tried to score. They had a couple of chances after that. They had a lot of chances in the third period and just couldn't put it together. Meanwhile, game one was obviously a a total disaster. Even the Lightning almost kind of wrote that off. Uh, And then game three, uh, which, you know, we'll talk about right now. I I didn't think the Islanders played well at all. They were hemmed in for a lot of their own, uh, hemmed in their own zone for a lot of the time. And, and, you know, Tampa, even though they took a 3-1 lead, you didn't think that, it was going to last that long. And then sure enough, it didn't. And then, you know, they, they came back, they played a resilient game. That's for sure. They certainly didn't give up, which is, you know, a cool thing, but I mean, I'm sure Barry Trotz looked at that video and was like, how the hell did we even win this game? Uh, Varlamov has been phenomenal in both of those games, actually all three of those games. He's been great. So there's a lot, it's a lot about him too, but uh, I do find it funny. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that way, but like, you know, both teams have had kind of had their pushes, and and if not for a couple of just different bounces here and there, obviously, you know, 42 seconds is a big difference, but that's it. That's really all we're talking about right now. Had those 42 seconds gone a different way, you know, where would this series be right now? Mm-hmm. But maybe tied to two, you know, it's
1: crazy. And that's, that's kind of been the fatal flaw of this Islanders team, you know, the past two years is that these... Th- they're the big opportunities are, are there to be seized sometimes. And it just takes them taking their game to another level. Um, and they just never have been able to, they haven't been able to do it. Uh, in, and, what, and what I'm talking about is like in, in going back to the, the hurricane series, like when the games were 0-0 or 1-1 in those games 1 and 2, and they were getting great goaltending and all sorts of stuff. They, they just were never able to break through that wall. And it, it, it wasn't for a lack of effort, and I don't think any of this has been for lack of effort in this series either. It kind of was just that you know when when you're in when you're fighting it, which the Islanders are kind of fighting it right now. The teams that, and I, I would I would argue the Lightning are kind of a little bit too. Um, the teams that are better when when two teams are you know kind of fighting it and trying to really find their form, their best form. The, the team with more talent is usually going to come up. Uh, uh, on top in those games and and we kind of saw that with the Hurricanes series. I mean, you even think about the Blue Jackets Lightning series. Now, uh, the 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 Lightning uh the Blue Jackets this 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 year's version of it, the the Blue Jackets uh, kind of hung with the Lightning, but they couldn't really break through either. Like they just couldn't score. They were frustrated by a team with a good defense and, you know, the Lightning were able to kind of just put them away cuz if if you're there for the Lightning to put you away, they they're, they're going to do it. They they're good enough to do that and um they just they have the ability as a team to raise their game for two minutes at a game when it's when it really, really counts. And the Islanders just kind of haven't been able to do that. Uh, they, 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 Like we said, they've had their moments and chances to do that. Um, and whether it's just a bad bounce or someone just not being able to finish off a, a glorious chance or whatever, that's been the difference. And, and I'm not saying, I think you and I make, make fun of a lot of people on Twitter and other fan bases who, uh, you know, they, if they were in the series and they'd be like oh you know the the blanks have, are better we're really unlucky to be in the spot i'm, I'm not arguing that at all I, I don't think the islanders have been unlucky at all like or, or they no, think, sure they, i'm not saying that they don't deserve to be down three one in the series because i think that they do but they also had they had opportunities to become to be luckily up to or be tied to two or three one and they just never they didn't get those uh those opportunities to steal a game over the line uh which which is pretty much hockey right like we're seeing the stars do it every night against the Knights. Like if you if the chance is there to steal the steal a game against a team that's playing better, you got to take it. Uh, and the Islanders haven't done that in this series. After and after the past two or three series, uh, where they kind of dictated the script, they wrote the script for each game in those series. It's it's been a little different and maybe a little bit of an adjustment for them to chase the game rather than to uh, impose their will, which is weird to talk about with the Islanders. But you know that that could be what's going on here, but. Uh, in other, like, there's a lot of, uh, it's it's part, you know, tip your cap to the lightning, but also you, you are still ruining uh, uh, the missed chances that they've had. And you can kind of think of a lot of them. Like, there was one chance today for Pellick that, like, stuck out. Well, I'm not saying Adam, I'm expecting Adam Pellick to to uh to score there. But uh but like there was just a you know that if that ends up on a lot of other people's sticks, like that's that could be a goal. And but there have been moments like those throughout the games where uh you're like, wow if that went in, you know, the Islanders, you know, it's two two here and, and they'd have a chance in a in a coin flip in overtime or something. Uh and there have been those those doors have were open for a little bit and now they're closed. And yeah, you're we're staring at um it's either, you know you got no choice. You, the team has no choice. You either have to do something historic or, or you go home as the Easter conference runner up.
0: Yeah. Um, no, I, I mean, there's a lot to chew on there and I agree with you a hundred percent. Like this is about, I think, I think there's less of a difference between these two teams than the score would indicate or the, the series would indicate, you know, you think three one and you think, oh man, this one team is kind of running away with it, but it is really a matter of one team bearing its opportunities and the other one, not. And, you know, the, like we said, the Islanders have had their chances, but, they haven't scored. And I think a lot of that comes down to the top line. I made it, you know, I tweeted this out before, um, but the only thing that seems to be dead and buried is whatever Mojo, Everly Lee and Barzell had in the first few rounds of the playoffs, because they're just completely dismantled right now. And I, and I think a lot of that has to do with probably the pressure of having to, you know, score, score goals when nobody else really has a chance. But um they're I think the Lightning are just a faster defensive team. They're bigger than you know any of the teams that they've played recently, and they're just not getting the breaks. And you know, Jordan Everly is at the point where you know it's one thing to get the chances and not score, and I think that was what was going on in the Flyer series. But it's another thing to just be treating the puck like a hand grenade. And and we like Jordan Everly, and he's done a lot of good things as an Islander in his what was it, four years now. Seems like a wow! I can't believe it's been that long, you know. But um, it's uh He's just really not helping out at all. And, you know, Barzell, you kind of get like Barzell, not that this is an excuse, but like he's clearly taking a lot of punishment. He's clearly getting a lot of attention. Barry Trotz said so as much today in his post game thing. Um, he's, this is clearly weighing on him. He had a couple of, you know, he had a turnaround today that, uh, there was a go, the third, uh, lightning goal, um, it was kind of a, it was a, it was a neat passing play to be sure, but, um, you know, I blamed Everly for it. <laughs> Our friend Kerry Haber blamed Barzell for it. He was right up next to Andre Pallott when he scored and didn't really do much to knock the puck off of his stick or anything like that. Um, you know, either way, like, you know, those two guys are your two of your top point-producing guys, and here they are combining for goal against. And Lee, you know, we've talked about it also I'm sure is physically hurting and is also a guy, you know, more so than the other two, is kind of dependent on the other two to, to kind of make the offense. And so with that line essentially removed, the offense has to come from elsewhere. The Nelson-Beauvillier-Bailey line has been really good. I mean, Nelson has been phenomenal these last couple of games. I mean, he's he's like a different player. I mean, we could do a whole podcast on that, and we, as if we haven't done it already. Um, but uh, he's been great, and Beauvillier keeps getting chances, and he just you know didn't bury them today, but um, he's he's looked good. He's looked like himself, and Bailey is out there on the power play, which is a whole problem we'll talk about in a second. Um, but, you know, that's one line. And the other line isn't doing much. And then the other guys, so we've made it this whole, we've been talking for 10 minutes now and haven't mentioned the name Casey Zizekas. And he plays a large role in this. He was a late scratch um, during warmups in game three. Probably a lot of that had to do with how the Islanders seemed to mess for most of the game, uh, but managed to win. Today, we found out that he and Tom kunackle who we talked about last time, is probably being hurt because why wouldn't he play in place of Andrew Ladd? Well, both of them are hurt. And they're actually have left the bubble and they're back on their way to Long Island, according to Rene Lavois of uh, TSN. So already, sorry. So um, they're out, they're done. And whether the Islanders come back and, you know, win this series somehow miraculously after being down three, uh, one, you won't be seeing those guys again. And Sezikis in particular, I don't need to tell anybody listening to this podcast is a huge, huge problem for the Islanders. If he's not going to be in. Um, and again, it gets back to the offense. Like today, it was Martin and Clutterbuck between JG Pajot, and they looked okay. Like they looked fine, but those guys don't score that much. They just don't. And then the other line of Leo Komarov. Derek Broussard, Ross Johnston actually didn't look that terrible. We were both talking just before we came on about how we were having nightmares about, Oh my God, these <laughs> Tampa is going to rip these guys apart. They're going to rip them a new one, but they actually kind of held their own. Actually. Johnston had a couple of pretty nice looks at the net and didn't score, but like, you can't, you can't re- rely on those guys for offense. You can't really rely on, you know, Martin and Clutterbuck, although Martin's had a good season so far, you can't really rely on those guys. And with the power play, not producing any offense, Top line not producing any offense and everything coming from the second line, you're in a lot of trouble. And you, you, it gets back to the chances. If you're not going to bury those chances, you're going to be in a lot of trouble because Tampa's not going to miss those. They're going to they're going to bury them, and their top line is is working. So, you know, I just the differences here, I don't think are that there's not a huge wide gulf here. But regardless of what they are, what I think they are, Tuesday, like you said, it's it's player. You go home, and Barry Trotz said that you know the team he believes he knows this group they have way too much character they've come too far they know the stakes and they're not just going to just pack it in on Tuesday and go home um but that being said it's a pretty tall order <laughs> to come back and and uh you know they're going to say the whole thing like, it's just one game and yeah it is in a way but even that one game is a pretty tall order when you're playing the way you're playing which is not optimal to say the least
1: yeah and and the the fact that they are going to have to win 3 with that Zeke is it's funny that a weird thing about being in the Eastern Conference Final is that you are the only show in town for hockey, the hockey world, because right. you don't, you know, you play in you know, alternate nights with even the other game. But even so, like you are one of the last four teams, so people are talking to you about your team and they're paying attention to your team. And I was thinking that if Casey Ezekis was hurt in you know the qualifying round series before the Panthers or whatever. Would people have said like, oh, this is a huge loss for the Islanders or would it just be, you know, Elliot Friedman tweeting, you know, Sezik out hamstring or, or whatever, you know, whatever. Like, Because I, I, I think that now that the Islanders have been the only show in town now for like a week or so, uh, plus obviously uh, being the only series that was kind of playing deep into the Eastern Conference semifinals. He he he. People know, and I'm, I'm, and there are a lot of people who know. Casey's been around a while, and he's had the same role forever. So he's and, and he is. He's probably the best player. Like I said, Andy Green is probably the best player in the NHL at doing exactly what he does. Like that particular skill set. Um, Casey Zizekas is probably the same way. Like he if 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 you need someone out there that you can trust to to. To kill a game, or just to, to you know, if there's 45 seconds left in the second period, and you were just up three-one, and the other, and you just don't want the other team to score a goal to give a momentum going to the third period. Kasezikas is your guy, and and those are important moments in a hockey game, and to not have that guy to rely on is is a big deal for the Islanders because, you know, if you're sticking Derek Brassard out there with with Leo Komarov and Johnson, who who you know who you noted correctly had a good game. It's still like it, those are hair, you know, hair-raising moments. And regardless, it's as it you breathe a little easier, um, and so not having him and is going to be a big deal. And, and it was nice seeing him kind of get his due in, in a in a sad way uh, from from people on Twitter talking about how uh, how good Casey's been uh, in this role. But um, it's yeah, it's kinda, and, the, and you're talking about the way they're playing is for for so long during this playoffs. We've been talking. You'll hear like Patrick Sharp or. Uh, Ed Ed Olcheck or whoever talk about oh if the Islanders are down two one or five one or they're up three nothing they don't change their game in this series they kind of have they don't they don't they don't each shift looks a little different which has been not it's not a good thing for the Islanders they want to be uniform predictable everybody staying above the puck and and clogging the neutral zone but there's there's just been like some rogue performances like we, we've noted and, and we were talking about uh after their win, like, I don't know who played well in that game. Like there was like a, a, a I shouldn't say that. There was like a f- distinct line of players who played well and players who didn't in game yeah. three. And it, there was no in between. It was, it was, you know, you had Pelic played really well. Uh, Derek Brassard uh, played really well, and
0: Nelson uh, and Bovillier yeah. and, and Varlamov Vor, is the, the only guy who's played that well. And
1: then everybody else played poorly. Not yes. not even like they weren't just you know some good moments. They played bad. And then this game kind of was the same thing. Like like Devon had a, had a really tough go of it lately. Yes. Nick Letty's had a really tough go of it lately. And then you got guys like Nelson, who who's playing well, who's getting you know the, the shit kicked in. His shit kicked mm-hmm. in, but he's he's playing really well. And and it's just. That's what that's this team isn't built for that. Like lightning could get away with that. The Islanders can't.
0: Right. Yeah. And I bet, you know, I bet even lightning fans are probably looking at that and, and wondering where some of those guys are. I mean, Blake Coleman scored today. He was the guy that actually, after Nelson uh, made it one, nothing Islanders in the second period with a really nifty sort of, you know, dipsy doodle goal. He kept the puck in the zone and just kind of danced a couple of lightning defensemen and then scored with a really nice shot. Uh, 12 seconds later, Blake Coleman scored, uh, off of just a he, an awesome outlet pass that just went right up the middle and he grabbed it and he just scored um you know I, he's been pretty quiet though like outside of that goal I, I just he's been very very quiet and a lot of those depth guys that we've been worried about, um have been pretty quiet i mean kalorin obviously was suspended the one game but it's really been the top guys that for the lightning that have really killed the islanders and it's just did i say palat before it was point actually i think that scored. yeah point scored. i mean well, that goal doesn't was, really matter that goal but, was
1: wild each one of yeah them, each one of them made a like a perhaps the play of the year on the same play so
0: yeah yeah and and again like it's just like about a team that can go out and make goals and the islanders are not that team they're just not they they get their goals from forechecking and then getting somebody in a high danger spot and then score and then you know kind of creating mayhem in the zone and then scoring from there they have not been able to do that for the most part in this series and that might not be that bad they might find other ways to score off the rush or you know whatever but or if the power play but that's not happening really that much either unless you're Brock Nelson obviously so um you know Nelson's goal actually was mostly the the goal that ended up being the game winner in Game Three, uh, was actually mostly made by Bovillier He was kind of he was holding on to the puck and he was surrounded by I think three Lightning guys, and then he just sort of a blind backhand pass across the crease and found Nelson standing you know right there in the you know the whatever home plate area, and he scored. And so that that was a real kind of Islanders esque goal, but that was again the most almost Islanders esque game again accepting game one. Um, one thing about Ed Olchek, I don't want to get off on a whole thing here. Cause we, we had our say after they, they beat the flyers, but I find that old check uh, and Boucher today it was Doc Emmerich. It was John Forsland in game three. I find these guys to be bigger homers for the lightning than the all flyers broadcast guys were for the flyers. Like, I don't understand. Ed Olchek did never, never played for the Tampa Bay lightning. I did Brian Boucher and I get that they're good. I mean, obviously look, they're very good. I mean, let's, let's be honest. Like, we talked about it before the series even started. This is an uphill climb for the Islanders. Like, this is, this team is very good, and they pose a lot of problems that for them that they did not see in either the Flyers, Capitals, or Panthers. But, man, there there is another team on the ice here, and it's, it was very – I don't know. I found it very one-sided. Maybe I was just annoyed because they were losing. But, you know, there was a bone here, man. Like, come on. Like, you know, they didn't just accidentally end up here. Give me a break, but – I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just, I don't know. I'm not a huge Ed Olchek fan. Edzo Ed,
1: Ed, calls the game. And I'm, you know, obviously he's a horse racing guy. I, I always, yeah. I like to think that I can tell what team he's bet on during, during mm-hmm. his broadcasts <laughs> Something tells me he's been laying the wood with the lightning. Uh Yeah. Each one of these
0: he's teams. a, he's the number one guy who's always, it's almost like he's never watched the Islanders. I know shock, right? But <laughs> whenever they pass out of the zone, Whenever they're in the slot and somebody passes, he's always incredulous, and it's always like that's kind of what they try and do, you know? Like they try and open up an extra spot and get, you know, get the guy moving. That's they normally do that kind of stuff, but I guess nobody told that check. In any I, event. Um I, yes. It's one other
1: thing. I I, I actually thought the, the these these broadcasts, like from like a a viewer standpoint, have been great. I thought like I think that the uh, the, the commentary has been funny, but. Uh, or a little you know weird I guess at times but I do love that these they you can clearly tell um like they they know who the you know kind of trendy uh gritty guy is or the middle of the lineup guy who who they they need to be talking about all the time like this series has been peggio like doc hamrick was talking about how he's you know he's been mag- saying he said he was like magnificent which he is but I just always think it's funny like they they start you know game one and they probably get like a sheet handed to them and be like, Hey, mention that mm-hmm. sounds sm- smart by mentioning that JG Peugeot is, uh, you know, he's, he's really good. Cause you know, he's not a star. And also, uh, you know, Adam Pellick, uh, Adam Pellick is a really good defensive defenseman and, and make sure you say he doesn't get his due at least, you know, six times a, a game. And, and that's what they've been doing that. And that and the new helmet rule, which, which anytime a helmet pops up, it pops off. These guys lose their shit. They're like, Oh my God, let's see if he goes to yeah. the bench or if he's going to get a penalty.
0: That's his helmet off, Doc. That's his helmet. <laughs> his helmet's right there. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I know they love jumping and on. The that. other thing well, that it's... they love is when
1: there's when when a player on an on man rush realizes that he's going up against a forward. Like, oh, yeah, Kalorin realized Josh Bailey was yeah. the only defenseman back on that play. Did you see that? He missed the net, but it, but still, like great great mm. game game knowledge by knowing that it wasn't a defenseman back there.
0: Like, all right. Mm. Yeah, down, they, they're, they're, Ed, uh, Edzo likes to yell forward, forward covering the point, Doc. He's, doing, <laughs> he's just like yelling that that's the guy you got a forward on defense, back on D. Yeah, so that's um, why I like Pierre because Pierre, like, doing mm.
1: doing that stuff, he'll like lean over the you know, and be like, Oh, yeah, yep, Tyler Mott did that. You know, he definitely learned that from Red Baronson, and you know that those guys yeah. are drilled down on, on that kind of stuff at Shattuck's. Like, he turns it into a little anecdote where it's not just. You know, sounding like someone at you know at, at, on the news level, like reporting, like for like a hurricane, or being like, yeah, the looks like a that that power line's coming down, doc. Like forward on the point, forward on the point.
0: Just- <laughs> if uh, if the Islanders ever did make the finals, uh, like Anders Lee would be America's most hated player immediately <laughs> because Pierre would be giving us the entire history of the Notre Dame uh, hockey program, uh, yeah, and the whole you, thing, and you
1: whole know right. But- Right before game one, he leaned that microphone. I guess he can't this time. But right before game one, he leaned that microphone in and say, "Hey, are you happy you chose hockey over football yeah. and baseball when you're Mr. You know Mr. Football in Minnesota and got the baseball scholarships?"
0: Yeah, they had a they had a, a handwritten note. Did you? Say, I think that was before game two. They had a, like a handwritten note by Lee, and he had written when he was like a little kid saying he wanted to play either football or baseball at Notre Dame. No, he wanted to play either football or hockey at Notre Dame, and he did. And then they put the camera shot on him, and he was all very intense and everything. So, but uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> these are the kinds of things. You, I mean, it's funny. We've been watching these now for, boy, you know, two, a month and a half now. And it's just, you know, it's cool. But at the same time, you, you're kind of picking up on these little things. You're starting to get a little it's bit of a grind. So, you know. Yeah, it uh, definitely, definitely. I mean, think about how the players feel. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah. Then, um, just you know, real quick, uh, each game featured uh, uh, an empty net goal. One in, um, in game three, so the Islanders, uh, J.G. Pajo scored to make it five three Islanders. He was in on alone. Uh, Nikita Kuchov was right behind him, slashed him in the back of the leg a little bit of pushing and shoving afterwards there's been a lot of that kind of physical stuff which is not happening if you've been watching the western conference final (laughs) none of that's happening at all over there Uh, all the physical stuff's happening on this side
1: i do want to say about that kucherov play i respect the hell out of it like i just i i i because i would love if my guy did not in like a regular season game where you know you're playing the panthers and then they're flying out that night that's like you know kind of a little weird because you know you can't really settle that score but in a playoff series when you know you're playing these guys again in like 37 hours because not only does it does is it you know a little whack from Kucherov out of frustration for his team losing and showing his guys like oh, you know screw this it gives Pajot the opportunity right after to like fire his guys up and it's a little bill you know bulletin board material both ways and I, I live for that stuff I, that's the kind of stuff I, and I know it's like you know it's dirty and, and people are upset about it but you know, if that was the other way around, and Pajot did that to Kucherov, I'd be like,
0: hell oh, yeah, like, that's amazing." Oh, like, if that was Barzell in that situation, yeah. I would, I would hope he was whacking and hacking at that guy. And you know, it's not going to mean anything at the end of the day, but right, you gotta let him know you're there. Yeah, you and, a play, and
1: especially thing. in the playoffs, like there's a there's a distinct difference between that play by Kucherov, which I think is like kind of um, classy shithousery, and what <laughs> what Nelson endured in, in in game two. Like that right, that there's there's a difference. Yeah. There's a very different big difference. The stuff that Kuch, that thing that Kucherov did, I'm all for it, and I and I and I hope the Islanders noted that in their head, and right. and said, you know, if, if we get a chance to do this to this guy, you know, down the line, whatever it is, I mean, freaking Mikhail Sergachev and Brian Boyle got into a fight from in, in the whenever series they played, uh, right? F- you know, whatever that was, I can't even remember now, but yeah. um, so I think it was a preseason bubble game right. when Sergachev and Boyle and, and uh, they got into a fight from something that happened with the devils or whatever,
0: but like, right, yeah, we talked about that. Yeah. yeah. But, Ooh. um, you know I mean?
1: <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah. Love, and
0: then uh, what's that?
1: I just love that kind of stuff. I love, I love, I love, uh, I, I love those little, you know, and Brock Nelson does that stuff all the time. Like we see, we yeah. see what oh, he does. Sure. Like, yeah, he pulls these little like on ice pranks basically. So, mm.
0: um,
1: it, it, it's, it's, that was nice to watch.
0: And then, uh, you know, Matt Martin has been sort of, punching everything that moves basically. He he took on Barkley Goodrow in game three for his uh his hits on uh uh Nelson in game two and uh they were chatting he was chatting with uh with Pat Maroon today. They talk about Pat Maroon like I mean don't get me wrong. Like he's a nice player. He won the cup last year. It's a nice story. But like they talk about this guy like he's the boogeyman. I don't know. I mean do people really think of him that way? just like this he's just sort of there. I don't really I don't think that much about Pat Maroon at all. And they're, it's they're weird.
1: acting like, what's that? It's like a weird fetish, fetishization of him. Yeah, like, I don't know. I think it's his nickname. I think everyone loves being able to say, oh, there's big rig. You know, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it, I don't know what it is. If there's some yeah. there's something to him because he, he gets more airtime than anybody.
0: Yeah, they, but they're talking about him like he's like Rick Tockett, nineteen ninety one. Like he's going to go out there and like beat the hell out of body, somebody and score three goals and you know be, be the best player on the ice and just you're you're afraid of him, but you respect him. I mean, again, he's an okay player, and I mean, don't get me wrong, I wouldn't want to fight the guy. I'm sure Matt Martin doesn't want to either. But like, let's let's be honest, this is a fourth line forward for a pretty good team. Like they're not leaning on this guy to to do much. He looks intimidating. He's got that big beard and everything. But uh, anyway, they were talking and they kept talking about the players talking before the game. Didn't really end up being much. <laughs> That's um, another
1: thing that these guys go, go bananas for. Yeah. Like everyone, P- Pierre Lebrun probably dropped everything. It was like, we, yeah. we got a potential Brooks situation at the red line at Rogers Place. Like <laughs> everybody get to your battle right. stations.
0: They think this is going to be like that Flyers-Habs uh, playoff game, you know, like thirty years ago, where like Chico Resch was like fighting dudes on the eye and Ron Hextall is out there. Yeah, did, none of that materialized. But Martin has had to throw the throw the hands a couple of times, and and he hasn't done it in a way that. Oh, so today, at the end of the first period, he took a shot on goal right at the buzzer. And I mean, look, Matt Martin knew exactly what he was doing. Like that's it's the couture out there.
1: Right, that's classy. My shithouse,
0: yeah. <laughs> I agree that, you know, you got to let them know that we're not going away. And so that started a whole thing. And then, and then Martin got two minutes for unsportsmanlike conduct for that. I don't know if I've ever, I've ever seen that before. Um, But I mean, I you couldn't argue, I guess. Yeah, I guess it was pretty unsportsmanlike, but at the same time, it's the playoffs. Like I don't, you know, the whack on against the legs. I don't, Kutrov didn't get two extra minutes at the end of the game for that, you know, but right. whatever. Anyway. <laughs> So, um, anyway, let's, um, let's talk quickly about game five. It's Tuesday night, eight o'clock NBCSN. Um, the Islanders need to find something to get going here. And like, you know, I, I, I do feel like Barry Trott said, you know, they're, they're a resilient group. They're going to fight. Um, they're not just going to go away quietly, but they need to start scoring goals. Like that's the end of the deal the, you know, and it's gotta be somebody other than Nelson. They got to get something on the power play going, barzell and everly and lee have to get their shit together somehow uh you know maybe get the defenseman activate a little bit more they pelic had that goal like a couple of games ago so like they've got to find something here because varlamov has has upheld his end of the bargain <laughs> and they've had chances they've gotten you know they've they've been able to control the lightning for long stretches of the game and get chances and they have not buried any of them and if they don't their season is going to end. And I don't want to talk now about while well, it's over or, you know, talk about sort of like, you know, retrospective to the season. Anything can happen in a game, obviously. But if they don't find those things and don't fix those problems, and they're going to have to do it without the benefit of practice, because Barry Trotz has said they have not had time to practice this entire time, um, their season is going to end. Uh, so and that's pretty much what it comes down to. And, you know, it'll go down as a five-game loss. But really, I mean, it's a lot closer than that. And there's really just a couple of very chances in between, going on and, and going home
1: yeah and it's just you you, you, I, you expect him to um I, I guess it's cliche to say like you, you you kind of throw whatever you can out there in, in these elimination games so I'm, I'm expecting him to kind of jolt the lineup a little bit by jumbling something i got i think you gotta you know maybe get barzell and eberle away from each other or who, who, you know whether it's Beauvilliers moving up or you know who who whatever whatever he ends up doing i think something somewhere is going to give uh you know if, if it's Johnny Boychuk coming in the lineup so be it like what whatever it is like you got to try something i think hmm. to to kind of just spark the team in a, in a uh in some way and you know i know that is uh you know taboo to say in in this day of uh, metrics mean everything but i think you know it, it there is something to be said about some trying to just find something to to boost spirits or whatever it can be and um that's what i'm expecting uh I, or, or i'm hoping for a, li- a little bit but because you know and also i think the lightning kind of have these guys figured out uh a little bit too uh they, they, they if you watch like each shift looks different not only for the islanders but for the lightning like they're they're coming at the islanders in different ways i feel like and uh, the Islanders just they can't really keep up, and they're relying on bailout plays. Whether it's you know Pellick with a good stick, or kind of just someone being in the right place in the right time for a rebound, it's there, there's been too too many times where uh, you know they they've been bailed out on plays like that just because they, the reads have been wrong. Uh, but even the, the the two goals today, like the first two goals for the Lightning, uh, mm-hmm. the one out that that the first one's inexcusable. I think like mm-hmm. what how on earth. To, to that is <laughs> not allowed to happen in a player, in an yeah. Eastern Conference final, but um, it's just they're, they're, something's going to have to be done, and uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully it works to to extend the, the this this ride because it, it's it really has has been enjoyable, uh, and when it ends, I think you know that you you you'll, you're obviously always disappointed, but um, then you then you think about it, just how absurd it's been that the Islanders got to this point and. Uh, you kind of just hope they go out you know they go out in their shield uh rather than you know in a game like tonight where it was kind of over and they're just skating out the third period.
0: Yeah, I mean I thought they had chances uh in the third period but Yeah, uh, it was
1: like the, the last like 6 minutes I was you know,
0: Yeah. Than... Um Scott Mayfield also put it pretty pretty you know bluntly he he was like the most important shift is the one after goal and we failed twice. And yeah, pretty much, <laughs> I mean, they recognize <laughs> what happened. Yeah, the same thing. Like they're basically saying, how on earth did we let that happen? But it did. Uh, and uh, yeah, you know, they're just going to, again, they're going to need to find something to make it work. Or else uh, the ride will come to an end. And it's been an enjoyable ride. And again, I don't want to talk about it like it's over because uh, it might not be. We'll see what happens. Yeah, because we're, we're not the uh, the hockey news. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> if you missed it before? The hockey news uh, put up a, a story today. It was about the Islanders' cap. You know, cap crunch coming up and they're like well their season is almost over now and then i gotta worry about next season it's like Wait, what the game hadn't even started yet good job guys <laughs> anyway that's what happens when robots write for the hockey news now i guess uh all right so we're gonna take a quick break and then talk about the uh, other piece of uh fun news uh from the islanders this weekend uh that uh doesn't you know, i guess involve cap crunch a little bit but uh we'll talk about that uh, after the break all right thanks
1: i'm alex rodriguez
0: Our favorite sponsor is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can find T-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos, Long Island Ducks, New York Golden Blades, uh, uh, New England Whalers. You can find them all there. You can also find our our Al Arbor T-shirts, uh, the full portion of ours of which goes to the Center for Dementia Research. And if you use the code Lighthouse15, you could save 15% off your orders. VintageIceHockey.com. Check it out. Uh, So, yeah, the other piece of Islanders news from this week was that Lou Lamorello was named the 2020 winner of the Jim Gregory NHL General Manager of the Year Award. If you've never heard of this, uh, it's only been around since 2010. It was only renamed for former executive Jim Gregory last year, I believe. So uh, it's in any event, it's a GM of the Year Award. And uh, the two guys he beat uh, by about 10 votes, one was Julian Brizois of the uh Tampa Bay Lightning. And the other was Jim Neal of the Dallas Stars. Now all those three teams have something in common and that they're all in the second round of the playoffs. They're all in the conference finals and the voting, it turns out, was done after the second round. So I guess it kind of makes sense. Um, but uh, you know, there was obviously the the normal amount of hand-wringing. Oh, what did Lou do? All he did was trade for this and gave up too much for Pajot and who cares? Andy Green, big deal. You know, that's fair to, you know, wonder about those moves in particular, but like if you can look at this team right now and not immediately conclude that having Lou Lamorello has changed the entire fabric of the New York Islanders, uh, I don't know what you're looking at because these guys, this is a different team with this guy in charge. And it's, you know, maybe the award, you know, giving a general manager an award for a year of work is probably pretty stupid. It's like, you know, any kind of artistic award, it's like art is very subjective, obviously, but like the, the, the work that this guy has done and the transformation this team has undergone under this guy specifically is astonishing. And if it wasn't, you know, for this year, maybe it would be somewhere down the line. And, you know, maybe it's also a bit of a lifetime achievement award. They kind of, when they gave it to him, they kind of said like, it would be weird to have this award without your name on it. And that's fine (laughs) because he's earned that too. And so, uh, you know, it was fun watching people kind of scrambling and be like, well, I don't understand why this happened. Why didn't Kyle Dubas win or whatever, who cares? But like, (laughs) uh, you know, but at the same time, like Islanders fans can sit back and be like, "This is a, this guy is taking our team and has run with it, and and that's awesome." Like, I mean, you know, it's not going to change much in, in the grand scheme of things to win the GM of the Year award, but it's pretty cool to have been recognized as like the guy who kind of changed this team for the better. clearly. I uh,
1: I really don't like uh, the the way that these end of season awards kind of are because it just turns into like these smarmy arguments on on hockey Twitter about. You didn't know Valerie Nechuskin's shot impacts are so good. He should be the, he should be the Selkie. Uh, but uh, this, I mean, it's when your guy wins, it's great. But this is, yeah, I don't know if you watched the last season of Curb uh, Your Enthusiasm, where yeah. Larry, Larry opens a Spite store next to, yeah. there's a coffee store, and then he opens a Spite one next, right next door, because he doesn't like the guy who owns the coffee store. <laughs> uh, and, and this kind of felt like like a Spite award for 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 Islanders Twitter and Islanders fans and Lou, even like, because first of all, he, it's, you can't argue, like you said, you can't argue that he doesn't deserve some recognition, whether it's the GM of the year award or just like uh, a huge ovation somewhere from someone or whatever it is. All you need to do is go back to 20, you know, late 2018 or whatever and find a clip of somebody on NHL network or TSN talking or writing about the Islanders take that clip and then put it right next to the way they talk about them right now. Like it's, it's night and day. We all know it. We feel it. And it's because, and I think Barry Trotz deserves a huge amount of credit for what he's doing. But as we've known, basically every podcast, Barry Trotz is not here without Lou Lamarillo. And he's just the, the friend, the Islanders are just, they're different now. They're different. This is a different organization because of the, because of Lou and the way he runs things and the, the amount of professionalism and accountability he brought into the this this franchise that never had it in, hasn't had it since you know al arbor left in what was that 94 um so it's 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 totally deserved it made me so ha- i wasn't expecting it at all so i didn't realize yeah, no, me neither. I, I didn't know it was <laughs> happening i didn't know if, you know even been nominated or anything it, it it is kind of a funky award in that way but uh if it was great just because you you watched the only people who really seem to care about it besides um you know, the, the mainstream hockey writers who, who love Lou and love talking about Lou because he's like this mysterious guy to them. And, and he's like just this, this massive character in their narrative is where we're Maple Leafs fans and, and freaking out because of, you know, like you say, Kyle Dubas should, no matter what, what happens at the Maple Leafs, Kyle Dubas should, should win the GM of the year award because he thinks about the game in such a progressive new way. And, and even if the wins and losses don't come, it, it doesn't mean he isn't the GM of the year. Look what he got for, for, uh, for Casper Kapanen that happened before the second round, but like, it's yeah. just, it's a, that, that kind of that, the, the, the fact that this award elicited that reaction from, from that side of the aisle um, made my day. It made my day. Yeah. And, and I, it, I, I'm proud that Lou Lamarillo is the Islanders GM. And it's just wild that he is because it still is weird to see right. and hear and whatever. Like I, I can't believe that guy Back in the day, I was just like, well, that's someone the Islanders will never get. And they'll probably never get anyone like him. But look Mm. at
0: this. You know what I was thinking about, though, all all joking aside and, you know, whatever rivalry the Leafs and Islanders have, whether they know it or not. um, I was thinking about it, too. And I think part of the reason that Leafs fan, I mean, there's obviously a, a general like condescension from Canadian media and Leafs fans and, you know, Leafs media towards the Islanders. And I get that. I mean, that's, that's a big part of it, but like, you know, they just kind of ignore them. But I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that like, so when Lou was the GM of the Leafs, he was part of kind of a a, a consortium that ran the team. You know, you obviously had Brendan Shanahan as the president, Mike Babcock was already there as the coach. And obviously he has a great deal of input. Um, you know, there's like shareholders and stockholder whatever, you know, and these people it's, it's, it's a huge deal. And obviously, you know, the Leafs aren't just a hockey team. Like they're an institution. They they're in advertising there and all this other stuff. And there's lots of different things pulling, you know, players in different ways. And, you know, one of the things Lou instituted was like no rookies could, could do interviews or, you know, advertising and stuff like that. And that was a, kind of a shock to people, but you know, I think that he doesn't get a lot of credit for what he did there, probably because it's assumed that he didn't make any of these decisions. Like it was always about, you know, with, he, he did it. He made the decisions after con- discussing with Shanahan, Mark Hunter, I guess, was also there. Dubas obviously was already there. Babcock also with the Islanders. Like he was brought in to be in charge. Like he is in charge. He is the president and general manager. Every decision filters from him down to everybody else just the way it was when he was with the devils he was president and general manager and you know the only people above him are the owners that's it and so this team has it's his stamp on it the way the devils obviously did for so long and like we said last time and as we've said before the, the amazing thing to me about the trots lamorello relationship is that these guys weren't best buds before they came here they barely knew each other you know they, they said hello a couple times in the hallway and that was about it but they're they're cut from the same cloth and Barry knows that Lou is the guy in charge and and it's not that Barry doesn't have any input obviously, but like they are working in tandem and Lou is the guy who filters down the, the, um, the mandates and, and the culture and whatever you want to call it from the top. And the players understand this. And there was a clip. I tried to find it for the article I wrote yesterday, but like Brock Nelson was saying that these guys are very detail oriented. They, they know what they want. They want you to give it to them. And if you do, you're going to be successful. And that, He didn't say it like, you know, oh my God, these guys are so detailed. He didn't say like they're micromanagers. Maybe they are, but at the same time, it works. And they, and you know, these guys have won a lot and they're going to, you know, the players want to follow those details because they know that it will help them win. And so that is the big difference. I I could see Leafs people being like, I don't get what the big deal is. Lou was here for a while and now he's gone and whatever. But like he took over this team and has molded it almost in his image and Trotz's image in Record time, <laughs> and that's that's ridiculous. It didn't even he? It took him longer to mold the devils in that image when he took them over, you know. And he was just the guy from Providence taking over this NHL team. So I thought about that, and I was like, you know, I, I think their 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 perception of what Lou is is very different because he when he worked with the Leafs, it was a very different setup. Now he's the guy in charge. Everybody takes their cues from Lou, and. Again, this this is a different team than it was two years ago, three years ago, whatever, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it it was pretty cool to see it. I mean, again, it's not the kind of thing you like like waving somebody's face. Yeah, we're not <laughs> like, putting a banner. Well, we
1: could maybe we could put a
0: banner. Yeah, yeah. But it's still pretty cool to see that in the in the trophy case, you know, amongst uh, all the other, the usual stuff, the big stuff you would kind of lord over somebody.
1: You know? This just occurred to me, too, that there's always this talk about, rebuilds and they're supposed to take you know three to five, or Gar Snows case, eight years, twelve right. years, fifteen years. It's still going on, but uh, whatever, whatever it is, and like there's a you know that huge deal about oh look how brave the Rangers are. They sent a letter to their fans in the middle of a losing season that they're gonna rebuild, and no team's ever done that before. And then there was like the you know the Leafs when when they got Matthews, like oh this is the rebuild, like it's, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. The Oilers when they were getting all the first round picks somehow, yeah. Like there's like all these 100%. rebuilds happening. Yeah. and when it's when it happens short shorter than it's supposed to the rangers one for example first the rangers the reason the rangers rebuild is is becoming is it's basically over is because they they adam fox loopholed his way to the rangers they they won the draft lottery basically twice uh and they got artemi panarin who just wanted to sign for them like this this isn't it they're Th- th- that that's their rebuild. They they they're like the great too. Yeah, Truba. I mean, you know, like
0: he was like, 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 yeah, I'm going to sign there because my wife wants to work in New York. Okay,
1: yeah. cool. <laughs> it's sure. Like, it's it's just it's the but and there, people talk about how how short that rebuild was, or in, in the Leafs' case too. Like it's like, oh look look, this team is uber talented now because of the work that they put in to in the rebuild. This the Islanders' team, like you said, it happened. It happened. It's in, in like two months. They went from mm. being horrible to being good and they haven't looked back really like they've had some, some sp- 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 sputters here and there, but th- th- if you want to talk about a, a rebuild and, and, and I know what, since it wasn't designated an official rebuild after Tavares left, it's, it, it, it can't go down in, in the rebuild history, but hmm. this team complete was overhauled in three months, basically, and is now in uh, among the Eastern conference heavyweights uh, two years running. So w- the fact that people still get a little like snarly around giving credit to Lamorello is, is a kind of hilarious like to me because you can just be like, well, look at the Islanders under him and look at what he was left with to deal with, like to get them to this point. So obviously something's working and he the whole point of these awards is to give the right people credit like people are having tantrums because. You know, Rupe Hints didn't get a Selkie nomination, and and people are now upset because a guy who led a team from who had its best player walk out of their face of the franchise walk out of them, walk out on them without getting anything in return. The previous regime had that happen, and he took them team pe- pegged for dead last, and was basically like, "All right, we'll see the Islanders again in six years." Has been has won three playoff series or four, whatever you want to count it as. So it's uh, and it, it's just in, in a remarkable short amount of time. Is right, it's just it's. It really shouldn't get lost on anybody how quickly this all happened. Like this is this we should be talking about the Islanders if if things were supposed to went the way people thought. Like we would probably be talking about oh yeah, the Islanders just lost, you know, another losing season and here we are. We maybe this year will be a little bit better even though we didn't get a draft lottery pick or Whatever. Yeah, like, maybe they-, they
0: won't finish seventh in a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. It's yeah really. Yeah, and the it's tough the same
1: division team. too. Some who was yeah. that? They tweeted like the rain. Look what the Rangers did in a tough division, and the Islanders played in a tough division too. Man.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, and basically the only people that have different are the goalies. You know, it was Leonard last year, and then Varlamov this year. Like, really, that's it. Is the only difference. Everybody else is the same. Uh and you know, they came out and and again, a lot of that has to do with trots and frankly a lot of a lot of it has to do with Garth Snow, who found the guys the right you know, found these guys for the most part. I mean, ninety percent of the roster is people that he he signed or drafted or whatever, but uh, you know, couldn't couldn't get them to the place where they are now for whatever reason and here they are, you know. And I mean, like I said in the in the article, it there's a big difference between you know play for the logo in front not on the name on the back and well make the playoffs and see what happens like there's a huge difference between those two things and uh you know right now they're they're you know i mean again it's we recognize that they're in a precarious situation here in this eastern conference final and you don't want to make too big of a deal of it but you know this is a different team right now there's expectations and should they lose game 5 or game 6 or whatever you know these these guys are going to have a different feeling at the end of the season than any islanders team but over the last 27 years, they're going to they're going to have a lot of, you know, regret over missed opportunities and things like that and not be, just be like, oh, well, that sucked. And then move on. You know, they're going to have a lot to think about for sure. But we'll worry about that some other time. Um, so, yeah, game five, eight o'clock Tuesday night, uh, NBCSN. And, uh, you yeah, know, we'll just have to take it afterwards and, and see how it goes. Um, game five of the Western Conference Finals is Monday. Dallas can wrap that up. Talk about things I didn't see coming. Uh, Vegas offense. Has has abandoned them. We have no idea why. They 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 get plenty of shots on goal. None of them go in the back of the net. And maybe that's got a lot to do with Anton Anton Hudobin. Maybe it's just dumb luck. I don't know. But it's I don't know that team. I mean, it's like an all star team, and all of a sudden they just can't score goals. It's it's, it's a little bit.
1: I can't believe Rick Bonus is, is is doing this. Like it's, right? just, it's so funny <laughs> to see Rick Bonus behind as, as as much as it takes getting used to seeing barry trotz and lou lamarillo and islander colors it just is weird seeing rick bonus in 2020 behind the and, bench of an nhl
0: team and he's still an interim coach right now yes. and jim mill the gm has been like well if rick wants to come back we'll have to talk if he wants to come back like if stars won the cup and i was rick bonus i'd be like i'm out i'm yeah. done i'm gone and you know but it's just kind of like, they keep bringing
1: nice. up the fact that they're like oh he's been this far in the playoffs once before as a coach in 1992
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, with the, Ray Bork and, and uh, Cam Neely and Andy Moog. I, I would have been there, too, if I had coached those guys. Huh. But, uh, yeah, it, it's cool to see. Although, again, I you know, we were talking about this before. Like, people say the Islanders are like a bunch of nobodies. I mean, outside of the top line, outside of Sagan and Ben and Radulov, I mean, if if anybody can name a Dallas star, I don't – you know, okay, Heiskanen, I guess, and obviously Udoban. I mean, I can because I've been watching these. But, like, for most hockey fans, I mean, that – that team is a lot of like, huh? You yeah. know, I mean, even every time I see Corey Perry pelly for them, I'm like, oh, right. I forgot he's here. Oh,
1: God. Yeah, it's, they're funny. They're they're really funny. They're like a, a misfit team. and I Yeah. Keep, you know, I, was, I, I think about it a lot um, with the Islanders is, you know, if, if they win the cup, who would and, Anders Lee hand it off to first?
0: And I kind of oh, said. it's got to be Bailey.
1: Yeah, I settled it was either. I think it was either between Bailey or or and then Bailey would probably give it to Andy Green. But. <laughs> um, just because you want to give it to the guy who's been around the longest it's never won and uh yeah. t- i was wondering if if the stars won would jamie ben hand it to blake como first be- well, mm. it would probably be pavelski or perry oh perry's won it before but pavelski hasn't but you know blake como yeah. you- you- blake como would be one of the you know first two or three guys because he's been around for a long time and he's, he's been effective oh, yeah. like that they-, they speaking of edzo like he loves blake como he loves him mm. uh and we yeah. do too
0: my friend, Chris McNally loves biggest Blake Como fan ever still to this day. So, so he's got a good chance. i uh, the uh, stars or the Islanders make the finals. He's, he's in good. He's, he's <laughs> going to be watching something he loves. That's for sure. That's all you can, you can hope for. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so, uh, that's Monday and then Tuesday, uh, will be the Islanders. So uh, we'll see where everybody's at. again, I, I kind of expect Vegas to win that game. Uh, the Islanders, well, I don't know. Again, maybe, maybe, maybe we'll see a power play goal. That'd be kind of cool. I mean, uh, but, uh, I'm not going to put too much of uh, too much emphasis on it. I'm just going to enjoy the moment, as Barry Trotz would say. Uh, okay, uh, read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. Um, you can check out all of our podcasts at, at LHH Podcast. Uh, where can everybody find you on Twitter? The Big Lee Basket with two E's. The Big Lebowski with two E's. Uh, Mike can also help you maybe get some uh, betting uh, advice. He's uh, maybe maybe you he can help you win some money on this game. I don't know. What the other game? Stars. Uh, <laughs> been in the
1: stars. They've been just been very undervalued by Vegas. Like all I could imagine. because
0: they're a bunch oh, of nobodies. That's yeah, yeah I mean. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. So there you go. Give it a shot. Uh, and uh, you can follow me. at culture of losing. And uh, yeah, we'll just have to see what happens in game five, and just take it for what it is. And, uh, you know, enjoy enjoy seeing the Islanders playing deeper into the playoffs than they have in a very, very, very long time, whatever happens. And uh, that's it. We'll, we'll come back uh, whenever, uh, you know, whenever we can sometime next week. Thanks a lot for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you later. All right. Bye bye.